From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. It is so good to be back with you. Uh, This series of podcasts around the holidays or the new year, uh, we're kind of doing some some different things. Uh, And today it's just Emily and me. Your favorite worthless servants, or maybe most worthless. (laughs) Yes, yes, the least favorite is that (laughs) least worthless, least least worthless, most worthless. Most worthless. <laughs> That's true. That's the double negative. Yes. The least worthless would be the most worthy, right? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, at any rate, we're you can tell we're already having fun. We're just here here together, and we decided to to uh, record and to give you a little update. Um, Genesis, as a lot of you know, I mean, the Worthless Servants podcast really is is sponsored by the Church of the Nazarene, but also our ministries are Global Missions and Genesis. Global Missions seeks to uh, train missionaries and equip them to send them out, and Genesis seeks to make an impact in the cities, in, in the urban centers of our region. And so uh, we combine those two very well uh, and try to send missionaries to impact the cities. And that's what we're doing right now. So we decided to kind of dedicate a a shorter episode this time to just kind of updating you on what we're doing. And um, I need to tell you that for three years, because of the pandemic, we have not been able to send out new missionaries. Now, there were some teams that were out in Monterey, Mexico. Some of you that are listening know that. Uh, And also in Quetzaltenango, Guatemala. And those two teams returned in October of 2021. Uh, I'm trying to get my my facts straight. Um, <laughs> yes. they, they were sent out before the pandemic had about three to four months before everything shut down. And they planted churches. You've heard on this podcast, some episodes, several episodes back uh, of some of their interviews uh, upon returning, upon debriefing, you know, and, and assimilating. Wow. How did we do this? How did God do this? Right. <laughs> but since then, we've been recruiting, we've been uh, training and equipping, and we're ready to send out some other missionaries. So, Emily, tell tell us a, a little bit about some changes. I know even in our training, which as we're recording this, we're, we're currently training these missionaries, but it looks a little different than we thought it would. Yeah, we um, had all of the intention in the world. I don't know if you remember, Scott, but we in April or uh, maybe May of this year, we were really on track. We had had all of our missionaries approved. There's six of them that are going to go out, two different sites that we're going to send to. And we started putting all of our calendar together for like the rest of the year. And that included a 10-week online training uh, that includes just like reading a book and being a part of forums and watching some videos and things that we'd done literally in the past, even pre-COVID, we were doing that, believe it or not. And so we had put that on the schedule for July and August because we wanted all six of those missionaries to be done with their pre-field training to come to Santo Domingo during the month of November for a residential training. And during the, um, I would say we got to uh, mid-August, uh, late August, and I started to as uh, read the tea leaves per se. I don't know if that's a a phrase that goes through everything, but I I really started to see that, wow, there is something different that's happening this time. And it's not with the missionaries themselves. It's literally with the government processes of asking for their visas. And so we are in still a learning curve of what it means to live in 
side of a global pandemic that has resolved but has left like some severe scars on some of the uh, processes and systems that we're used to using. And so we have a group of four missionaries that are assigned to Chihuahua, Mexico. And we have a family, Alan and Astrid, um, with their three children that are assigned to Mayweis, Puerto Rico. Those are two different visa processes. And a process to go to Puerto Rico means we need to solicit a U.S. visa, which has always been a little difficult for people from our region. And we knew that. We walked into it knowing that. But we kind of thought getting our missionaries to Mexico was going to be just a little bit easier. But we found that there is a lot that has changed in the past two years. So all of that to say, we are currently doing an online training of we we usually would have them here in Santo Domingo for 30 days of about 30 days. And we have stretched it out to a seven-week virtual training. There's a lot of Zoom conferences going on. Uh, There's quite a bit of reading that they're doing. We're trying to make it as practical as possible. But that's, I think, one of the biggest changes that we've made to date on uh, kind of the paradigm. We've been doing this for um, over 10 years, and this is going to be the first year that we've made such a drastic change in our training strategies. Yeah, and we've always had an element that has been virtual. Uh, We believe that 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 is a good way to to train in some in some material and uh, some of our resources uh, but we also really do believe that the best way to train a missionary is not just uh, from camera or just right. just you know on the computer uh, and so we love to have them here my goodness oh it's so it's so wonderful and we have like you said practical things that are that are set up uh, uh, different exercises dynamics uh, literally having them go out into the city for 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 a day or sometimes uh, serve for a weekend and and uh, they're already they're learning but they're also putting it into practice well we've had to adapt that and they're still doing some of that, uh, but they're doing it right in their cities uh, because we can't in good faith invite them here to the Dominican Republic, where we are, for a training when none of them have their visas. Literally, the the uh, embassies could say in any moment, we need you to turn in another document or we need you to come and get your visa. And what if they're in the DR? That doesn't make sense. And it didn't even make sense financially to have to maybe do several of those trips back and forth uh, from, from places like El Salvador, Nicaragua, Mexico. Um, and, and, and of course, we do have one from here in the Dominican Republic. So that's the biggest change. And I would ask that you would pray for these, these, uh, um, these missions missionaries. They are currently still working. That's a benefit, I suppose. They're able to still keep working uh, and to raise funds. Uh, They're still able to visit some of the churches and to speak and to raise some offerings there. Uh, But during the evenings and on Saturdays, uh, we have training times, you know, and it's, and pray for us too. I mean, pray for us. (laughs) We're old. We We can step this late. We are exhausted. (laughs) I mean, because of the time change, man, we're, we're, we're going, we're pulling some late nights and our Saturdays are dedicated to this. And so thank you. Thank you for doing that. Now, um, well, before uh, Scott, I wanted to know what you're, what you think um, when we first gave the missionaries the news that they weren't going to be able to come f- to Santo Domingo, that we had made that decision. What do you think was the general like feeling of the missionaries? Um, I think there were a few of them that had already uh, resigned from their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was frustrating, I think, for a few of them um, because uh, they had just kind of preemptively said, well, I know that I need to uh, to not be working here. And, and to know they could have still been working another month or two, I think was frustrating for some of them. I think 
For others of them, it was a it was a help. I mean, some of them were wondering, man, I'm behind on my raising of funds. You know, how am I going to be able to do this? Um, let alone to raise to get to Dominican Republic and then get to the site. You know, and so uh, there were some of those things that I think uh, we were all discouraged in some way. Maybe that's even too too strong of a word, but I think we were a little discouraged in some ways. But then we also started to see the positive side of things. And so right now, yeah, we're praying for those visas. You can can pray for those. Maybe when you hear this episode, they will have already received their right. visas. They would have already been in their in their in their uh, place of assignment. But we just don't know that yet. And so let's kind of talk, Emily. Now, I mean, the training has been different, but let's tell a little bit about the two sites. Uh, as as you said, we have a family that is going from Monterey, Mexico, and they're preparing to be sent. He is a pastor. Um, uh, she is a teacher. And they have two, three small kids, one newborn baby, uh, really four months old. And uh, they're preparing for Mayagüez. What do you know about Mayagüez? What excites you about uh, the work that's going to be there? Yeah, Mayagüez is one of the cities in Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico is a nation that is in the Caribbean. And um, it's been a long time since Puerto Rico has received any type of missionary presence. And I think that's one of the things that's been most exciting to work with uh, the district superintendent, Martha. They are very excited to receive missionaries. Yeah. They um, have been very faithful givers to even Genesis Initiative. And um, so for me, it's very, very exciting to be able to to send a family to them, especially an experienced family. Um, like you said, Alan is a pastor that has literally started a church from zero in Monterrey, Mexico. And so coming over to Puerto Rico, he's going to bring some resource with him that I think is super exciting. Um, Mayagüez is on the um, west side of the island. I'm thinking about my geography as I'm talking, and I'm not great at geography, anybody that knows me. It's on the west side of the island, and it's one of the bigger cities, which this gives you a little insight into Puerto Rico. Um, it's one of the bigger cities at a population of about 70,000 people. Um, so what we would say, it's not a gigantic, it's not a mega city like Mexico City, but there are a lot of people there. And probably the most striking uh, statistic that we know is there's not a church there. There's not even one church. Scott, correct me, is there any evangelical church or is oh, no sure, Nazarene sure. church, yeah, right? There, there are plenty of evangelical churches. The Catholic church, of course, is, is Yes. is present there, uh, but no Church of the Nazarene, and, um, and and certainly there are sections of that big city uh, that really have no presence of any church. Right. And so they are a city that has a university that is there. They're a city that has uh, the the comforts of a city, but no Nazarene church has ever been there. It's not like there was one there and then it just left. It's just, it will be completely new uh, territory where they will have to work. And so we think a lot of their work is going to be with children since they're a young family, as well as potential university students, because with that being one of the main cities on that side of the island, you'll end up seeing a a lot of um, younger students and maybe young families that are a part of communities like that. So we're excited to see what God brings out of the ministry in my voice. Absolutely. Um, and then the other site that we're going to is Chihuahua, Mexico. And uh, I say we because, I mean, they're a part of us. These, we're these Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, uh, honestly, Chihuahua is a, is a, is a, a, a large city, uh, over a million in that, in that city. Uh, very extensive. You know, it's, it's, uh, the distances are great. It's, it's sprawling, we could say. Uh, and uh, a clean city, honestly. There are, there are 
parts maybe that won't, that aren't that, but, you know, you kind of look at it and at first you say, oh, where's the need here? You know, I mean, things are looking fine here, you know, and, but there is both spiritual need as well as physical, emotional needs uh, as, as in any city. And so uh, the, the crew that we're sending there, um, there's four of them, four people from four different um, uh, countries. And so why don't we kind of talk about some of them? I'll, I'll start with Marcelo. Marcelo's story, I mean, we're going to get him on here at some point. He doesn't speak English, but um, just telling a little bit of his story, uh, he was ready to be sent in 2020 to the Monterey site. And right as he was being sent, literally like a week before we were going to to, to send him, uh, the pandemic came. And so we thought, no problem, a couple couple months, you know how that was, a couple, couple weeks, couple months, and we'll send him, you know, and it is two years later. I mean, he's a different person than he was uh, even two years ago. I mean, he's he's matured. He's 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 wrestled with his call. I mean, if if I've been on standby for two years, does that just mean like I'm not supposed to go? You know, mm-hmm. but he's stuck with it, and he uh, and he's ready. Nicaragua, Managua, Nicaragua, and uh, and we're waiting on his visa to get up to Chihuahua. Yeah, and I love Dawilda's story. Dawilda is from uh, the Dominican Republic, right here, just a little bit north of us, and she. Um, has a testimony that's amazing. She's really one of those people that when we talk about in other podcast episodes about like um, investing in the next generation, seeing youth as leaders, she has that testimony. She came into the church as a young person. I think if I can remember from her early testimony, she was probably 24, 25, 26 when she came to know the Lord. And so when she came to know the Lord, her life changed drastically. If you can ever get to know that we'll then hear her testimony of what God has done for her. It's amazing. But she got engaged in a church where her pastor saw her leadership abilities, saw that she was somebody that could and, and should be engaged in things. And she literally, from the day that she became a convert to Christianity, she has been engaged in all sorts of leadership activities from Sunday school teacher to NYI leadership. She's worked in things on the district. She's done things with global missions. She was found through our um, School of Leadership when we were doing it during the pandemic time, she literally didn't know that there was like a space in order to be a missionary in the Church of the Nazarene. Like that's how new she was still, right? And so she studied for six months in the School of Leadership and she's like, like, this is amazing. Like, I want to know what this is about. And God really started to open up her heart and her mind to like a whole other area of service that she didn't know existed. She was one of those students that even the teachers that were alongside her were like, she's going to go places. She's going somewhere. She really is one of those people that like, I think her testimony would end up being, I filled out the forms because it was like, well, why not? You know? And so like, she's just constantly doing things that the Lord is saying, well, do this next, do this next. And she's like, well, why not? Why not? And and so as we were processing through her evaluation time, she was the first to say, I don't really know like what this is all going to look like, but I just really feel like God wants me engaged in this. She had so much support from her local church and her district. And um, I am super excited to see yeah. what God does with Dawilda, knowing that she's from a big city herself, sending her to another big city and her having the testimony of a young person that met Jesus for the first time as like a 24, 25 year old, everything that changed in her life. I just know that her testimony 
testimony to get and connect with the people in Chihuahua yes. in a way that maybe mine wouldn't because I grew up in the church and I've known Jesus since I was three years old. So super excited to see what that will that us. We're giving you these names if you're listening and, and pray for these people. These are real missionaries that are raising their funds, that are coming from our countries, that are trying to make an impact. We're still waiting on their visas. So we've already mentioned Alan and Astrid. They're three children. Probably good to mention their names too. Alan Jr., Abril or April, and then Ambar uh, or Amber. And so though that's that family going to Maya West Puerto Rico. And then we also have, we've ta- told you about Dawilda from Dominican Republic, and we've told you about Marcelo from Nicaragua. Well, we also have uh, Luis Pineda, who is from El Salvador. Uh, something cool about him is that uh, he comes from the same district where one of our prior missionaries comes from. And it's not a district that's, that's, that's huge. It's not a district that has lots of finances, but they will be one of the only districts that has sent out two mm. or more missionaries uh, with the Genesis Initiative. And and uh, so some of you remember in previous interviews or episodes, uh, Diana or Diana uh, Gonzalez uh, went to Quetzaltenango, Guatemala, came back and that district said that was fantastic. Luis sensed a call even as, as, as uh, Diana was coming back and they said, Ooh, take a deep breath. That was a big sacrifice for our small district uh, from the east of, of El Salvador to, to uh, send her out. But we believe in you, Luis. We're going to do it. And so Luis is going to be heading to Chihuahua as well. Uh, and the last one to uh, complete that team in Chihuahua is Tere. And you might, be, might remember Tere de Cuesta if you've been with us for a while. Um, she literally was a part of the Quetzaltenango team. And she got back a year ago. And we have stayed in contact with her. She was one of those people that when she was working in Quetzaltenango, that God really confirmed her call to missions. Mm-hmm. She is a um, nurse. That's what she studied. She had literally just finished her studies and her practicum when she went to Quetzaltenango. And when she came back during our re-entry retreat, I had the privilege of talking with her. And she said, I don't know what God's going to do in my life, but I know that missions needs to continue to be a part of it. Um, We typically ask people like Tere, like, do you feel like missions is a part of it in your own nation? Or do you feel like you need to go to another nation? And she said, I'm not sure. She said, I'm really content to be where I need to be. I know that my district needs me. Little did she know. Little did she know. God knew, though, that um, she literally is going to be staying on her own district. She's from Ciudad Juarez, and that is just four hours north of Chihuahua. And we knew that we were going to need a fourth member for this team, I would say about just about uh, in June, maybe in in May or June of 2022, we were starting to see that we need a fourth member. And uh, God continued to bring Tere's name back to our hearts and our minds. And so Scott just was like, what do you think, Tere? Would you want to do it again? And she was open to the idea. She's going to be our site coordinator for Chihuahua um, because she knows a little bit about the culture. She knows a little bit about the city. But she's also going to be a team member. So she will go and start help uh, help to plant that new church there. Her expertise in what she's already done uh, will be a huge asset to that team. But I think it's going to be a challenge for her as well because she's not church planting in Shela, Guatemala anymore. She's in a totally different culture, a totally different city, a totally different context. So I think there's going to be a sharp learning curve for Terry as well. So she's not just sitting pretty. She's still going to have all of that stuff that all the other three of her team are going to have as well. Yeah, the goal of this episode was really to just let 
to know where we're at, what God is doing, and certainly to introduce you both to the two sites, Mayagüez and Chihuahua, uh, and then to the six missionaries. And maybe we could say nine with those little kids uh, that Alan and Astrid have. Um, we want you to pray. We want you to pray for, uh, for those sites, for impact in those cities, for churches to be uh, uh, built, planted, right? But also to, to not, just, not just be, uh, you know, maintaining itself, you know, but to, to truly be planting other churches and to see a movement of change and transformation in those cities. Um, and, and be praying for those missionaries, and uh, and thank you for doing so. Uh, if you would like to know more information, goodness, uh, on our Genesis website, mesoamericagenesis.org, uh, you can find those prof- profile pages. You can find links to give to those missionaries. Goodness, I'm just saying this. I just, if you're feeling led right now, just pause the podcast, go to that, go to that site, and we need. They need your support, honestly. They need your support, Emily. Anything else? Where can they? Find Find us on social media as well. You can also find us on our Facebook page, which is the Worthless Servants Podcast. Uh, we also are on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on Twitter, so sometimes I forget to say Twitter. <laughs> We're also on Twitter, and that's it. Yeah, so we we are there. You can find us under Worthless Servants, and we'd love to hear from you, honestly. And if you'd like to know, hey, specific prayer requests or whatever, we can put you in contact with some of those missionaries. Um, thank you for supporting Genesis. Thank you uh, for supporting. If you're hearing this and you're in our region, literally in January, uh, when you hear this, we will be re- uh, receiving the Genesis offering. Every January, we focus on that. Uh, the idea is that every member would give at least $1. And if every member would were to do that, we would be able to train and to send out, uh, I think I think we, we um, figured it out, 36 missionaries every year, 36 missionaries every year. If everyone were to just give $1, oh, it's huge. It's amazing. So uh, that'd be amazing. Well, we are the Worthless Servants. I think we need to sign off on this one. I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Emily Armstrong. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.